0: Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7. This is a verse of Scripture. I know you haven't heard it before. Before we do this, Nick, Nick, can you bring little Nicholas up? We want to see the revealing we haven't seen Little Nicholas. This is his first time. He Little Nicholas has been watching me on live stream. They send pictures of him watching on live stream. But this is his first time at church. So, bring him up here. We want to show Little Nicholas off. All right. Bring hold him up there where everybody can see him. All right. Okay. Any good look? He's little dude. Bring him over here. Look at him. Oh, five-second rule. All right. Um, Now, after church, you can line up and we'll pass him around, okay? All right. And and he's doing good? He's doing great. And mom's doing good? She's doing awesome. That's wonderful. This is a beautiful couple, and we're just so thankful for their ministry to us. And we, we, we celebrate with you over your first... Of many, many children. Give him another hand. Would you do that? I love you, (laughs) folks. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7. I know this might be the first time you've heard this verse. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love... And a sound mind. I want to thank each of you. uh, From the bottom of my heart. For for those of you who have been faithfully attending your local church. During this COVID crisis. I also want to thank all of you who have been watching us by live stream weekly. All over the world, from different countries, we have people tuning in. Multiple states, peoples are tuning in. So thank you so very much for watching us by live stream. Amanda and I have been uh, praying that these messages, uh, which have been teach, which we have been teaching have been an encouragement to you. In fact, I received this on Friday. This email came in to us on Friday. Pastor Eddie, I want to thank you for the series on fear. It was very timely, and not just for the purposes of COVID. My family took a beach trip for our children's fall break. We decided to go to Mexico. We were not aware of the impending hurricane until Monday night. My mother-in-law texts my husband on Monday evening as we were getting ready for dinner. She asked, should you be concerned with Delta? And he texts back, we didn't fly Delta, we flew southwest. She said, we had no idea we had been away from the news. We were unable to secure flights out for the five of us. We rented a van and drove south to escape the hurricane. At that point, they were predicting a Category 4 hurricane. Fear gripped my heart as I was driving an unknown road in an unknown area in an unknown country. It was desolate in many of the areas, and I had read about the cartels infiltrating the area. There have been robberies, kidnappings for ransom, and honestly what scared me the most is the kidnapping of children for sex trafficking. I just started thinking about what you had been teaching, quoting scriptures that we had learned, and instead of dwelling on the fear and letting it escalate, I thought about God's faithfulness in our lives time and time again about how he cares for the sparrow, and how much he cares for us. I kept thinking about he has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, peace, and a sound mind. You taught us that we should shut down the emotions and the fear, and hard as it was, that's what I did. He gave us peace, knowing it would be all okay. Thank you for teaching God's Word. Thank you for following His leading. And this was Friday night. We are currently in the airport in Mexico waiting our flights to the U.S. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Thank God for the Word of God. That when you put the Word of God to work, it'll work in your life. Much of what I've been sharing on the subject of the spirit of fear over these last several weeks is the results of the things the Lord has taught me in my own journey. Not things I read out of a book. Books are wonderful and they're great. I read every day. But most of what I've been teaching you. Is the things that I've taught. in my own. I've learned in my own journey. It was the spirit of fear and deception. Uh, which caused my family over the years. The most brokenness and tr- trauma in our lives. It was the spirit of fear that tormented my mind. And caused me many years ago to be a prisoner in my own home for a year. Shut up in my own home. Afraid to get out of my home for almost a solid year. Because of the spirit of fear. It was the spirit of fear that tried to destroy me. And if I had not have gotten a hold of the word of God. My life would have turned out drastically different than it is today. For you see I was on the same path that many of my relatives had walked. I was consumed and continually tormented by fear and depression. My grandmother was committed to a mental hospital. And the time she wasn't in the mental hospital, she stayed in her bed because of drug addiction. Trying to cope with the panic and anxiety or what they referred to many years ago as she had a nervous breakdown. And she got addicted to drugs to try to cope with those symptoms. I had other relatives who experienced the same disability. All of them living a quality of life far below what God had designed for them. Dreams were never fulfilled. Purposes were never accomplished. All because of the spirit of fear. All because of the spirit of fear. So let us let me just remind you that the spirit of fear is an evil spiritual force. The spirit of fear does not come from God. Look at 2 Timothy, verse number 1, verse number 7 again. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. It doesn't come from God. Now, turn over to 1 John. Turn over to the epistle of John. Not the gospel of John, but the epistle of John. The the first epistle of John, way back in the back, close to the book of Revelation. How many brought you Bibles today? Good, thank you. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. Notice what the word says. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Now, the Apostle John experienced and understood a revelation about the love of God that very few people have ever understood. He he made an amazing statement. John said it this way. He says, God is love. Now, usually, we know that. We know that theoretically. We've heard that a million times if you've been in church very long. Uh, we hear it in our songs. We hear it in our books. We hear it in our Bible studies. We hear it in our worship. We hear it about in prayer. God is love. But theoretically, we know it up here. But John had an understanding of it down here. It just wasn't in the head. It was in his heart. It's what he lived off of. He understood this. He said, we have known, not only theoretically, but he says, we believe. We act upon it. We live out the love of God in our life. And most of us have heard that term. But usually when we hear God is love, we jump immediately over to what love looks like. And we'll say something like this. God forgives. God is love. God forgives. Or God is merciful. Or God is long-suffering. And God is kind. Or God is just. And we say those things. And that's correct. God is every one of those things. Those are the manifestations of his love. That's what his love looks like. But John goes further than that. He says God is not just does this lovely stuff. God is love. God is love. The very nature the personality, the makeup of God is love. Love is not only what God does. Love is who God is. See, I can be loving, but I can be mean. I know that's hard for some of you to believe. Others know that's not. But Amanda now, she can be mean. At times she can be loving, but she can really be mean. Now y'all say, that beautiful blonde can be mean. You don't live with her. I'm going to tell you. That's when the get the maiden part of her comes out. The Turner side is loving, kind, <laughs> patient. When the get side comes out, that's when I go to the office to pray. Because, see, we at times have moments of love. We at times express love. We at times uh, walk in love, or demonstrate love, or manifest love. There's some people in our life that it's easy to love. Your little your little children, your children. My granddaughters are here this morning. It's easy to love them. It's easy. your teenage son. That's tough to love. But your little girls, for daddies, they just wrap you and it's easy to love them. But at other times in our life, we run into somebody in our work or in our journey or in our neighborhood or some relationship. It's tough to love them. And sometimes love doesn't ooze out of us. And sometimes our motivation is not love. Sometimes our actions are not motivated by love. Sometimes our words are not motivated by love. It's never that way with God. John says God is Love. The core of His character is love. His personality, His makeup is love. Love is the expression of God's being. Here's what you and I must always remember everything God does comes from love. Even His judgment is based out of a motivation of love. God is the personification of of love. And God cannot work or speak outside of a motivation of love. And if you understand that truth, if you get that in your heart, then you'll realize some of this crazy doctrine that goes around that everything God, everything that happens is God. Listen, everything that happens is not of God when a drunk driver runs over a family and kill an innocent family and kills them and people say well that was god's plan that wasn't god's plan because god is the personification of love if god wanted to to bring some family to heaven he wouldn't use the devil's tools to get them there see so understand there are some things that happen there's a lot of things that happen in this world that are not happening because God is the instigator of it because God is love his motivation everything he does everything he says every action he takes comes from a personality or a motivation of love now go to 1 John chapter 4 verse number 18 look at 1 John 4:18 there is no fear in love But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. So if God is love, which John said he was, everything he does is from love, it's his core of his character, it's his being, he can't operate out, he never gets in the flesh, He he never steps outside of perfect love. If God is love and there is no fear in love, so when the spirit of fear tries to consume us, we should immediately understand that this fear is not coming from God. If God is love and fear is not of love, there's no fear in love, then when fear tries to jump on us, we need to resist it and understand. If the spirit of fear does not come from God, then there is only one source of this existence, demonic. If the spirit of fear does not come from God, and I've just proven it to you from the verses, God is love, there is no fear in love. So if the spirit of fear does not come from God, then there is only one source of this existence, demonic. And let me remind you today that the demons have one purpose. John chapter 10, verse number 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy the spirit of fear that's wrapping around our nation right now. And I'm going to tell you, it's a scary time to live. I'll just be honest with you; uh, it's scary. I deal with. I have to push away fear every day. Some of these cities that I'm going into to preach the gospel, some of these places, I have to push it away because there's anger in many of these big city streets. There's anger. There's people are mad. You get on social media, you just view social media, and people are angry, they're mad. And it's you can get scared with this COVID situation, where you go and who's wearing a mask, who's not wearing a mask, who's been exposed, who's not been exposed. It can be very scary to live right now. It can be very intimidating. And the spirit of fear does not come from God. It comes from an evil source and its purpose is specific to steal from you. The spirit of fear wants to destroy you. The spirit of fear wants to kill you. It wants to destroy our dreams and it wants to destroy your future. Therefore, we must resist the spirit of fear. You've got to resist it, the spirit of fear. Now, let me share this with you. When we surrender to fears, threats, and intimidation, we are not protecting ourselves. We are forfeiting our future. Fear doesn't protect you. Wisdom protects you. Fear doesn't protect you. Well, I'm scared to go. That's not protecting you. That's forfeiting your future. Fear doesn't protect you. Wisdom protects you. Sure, there's some places you and I don't need to go. Sure, there's some places, some, some things we should put into place when we go out in public. Sure, that's wisdom. That's not fear. Fear doesn't protect you. Wisdom protects you. Fear steals and forfeits your future when we give in to the spirit of fear. In our study on the lessons of the spirit of fear, here's what we've learned. Number one, the spirit of fear is a fear that is imagined. And brings torment when the evidence of danger is not real or factual. Not real or factual. Number two, the spirit of fear is not a momentary fright such as you and an unexpected loud noise or someone frightening you. The spirit of fear is a demonic force that is paralyzing people with hopelessness and extreme panic. We've also learned this over the last several weeks is that when we are engaged in a spiritual battle The victory cannot be achieved using human or natural weapons. We must use spiritual weapons to defeat spiritual enemies. Taking medication for the spirit of fear will calm the symptoms in your body, but it will not eradicate fear in your life. There's nothing wrong with taking medication. For panic and anxiety. Please understand me. There's nothing. If you need that. You need to take that. If that's what you need. Take that. That'll give you some relief. But that's not going to eradicate the spirit of fear. Because fear is a spirit. It's not a natural thing. And a spirit cannot be defeated with natural weapons. Spirit is defeated with spiritual weapons. So God has not given us a spirit of fear. But he's given us a vaccine for it. How many are praying for a vaccine for COVID? I'm praying for a vaccine for COVID. I hope you are too. God's given us a vaccine for the spirit of fear. What is it? Number one, power. Go to Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. We read this last week. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. Paul's talking to Christians. He's saying this to all of us who know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen, What is he saying, Pastor? He's saying this. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And if that spirit dwells in you, you've got the same power that Jesus has that brought him up from the dead. You've got enough power in your life to overcome the spirit of fear. It's in you. Now, you might not feel it. You might not sense it at times, but it's in you. And I shared this with you. When the spirit of fear attacks us, when nervousness hits or panic hits, or you're, you start sweating profusely or your heart starts racing and all these crazy thoughts start finding, firing through your mind. At that moment, you and I have a choice. We can give into to it and surrender to it and let it sideline us. Or we can, by faith, lean on the knowledge that God's mighty power is resident in us. Whether you feel it or not. And we have the power and the authority and the right to act on God's power. But we must do it by faith, not by feelings. You heard what she said. I could have given in to that fear and all those thoughts but she said I remembered that God is in me and his power is resident in me you know what I'm telling you Satan is so powerless he is so powerless that I've discovered that when I'm attacked with fear when I'm attacked with lust when I'm attacked with jealousy or when I'm attacked with anything that Satan vomits out of the pit of hell when it comes at me and at my mind and my thoughts if I can find one verse of scripture if I can just remember one verse of scripture if I can just speak out of my mouth confess out of my mouth one verse of Scripture, it will put all the junk that Satan's tormenting me with on the run. Just one verse of Scripture. Why? Because his word's alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. But you can't go by how you feel. You've got to go by the knowledge that his power lives in you. See, you've you've got to put it to work regardless of how you feel. Well, I don't, I'm scared to death, Pastor. Well, just quote some Scripture. Speak some Scripture. I guarantee you the power... You say, well, I don't feel powerful. Listen, you might not feel powerful. The power's in the Word. Just speak the Word. Satan's not scared of you anyway. He's scared of the Word in you. It's the incorruptible seed. So don't, just, just remove yourself from your feelings and your emotions for a second and start speaking the Word of God. And the word contains the power, and it will chase and resist the devil off in your life. The second thing we talked about, he said, for God's not given us a spirit of fear, but power. And then the second thing is love. Love. Look at 1 John 4, 18 again. There is no fear in love. There's no fear in love. Perfect love cast out fear. Because fear involves torment. Now, here's what I learned in my journey. That I spent a lot of time and money trying to get free from fear. A lot of people do that. They spend a lot of time and money trying to get free from fear. And that's fine. That's wonderful. That's what you have to do at times. Yet, the Word of God tells us that our focus should not be trying to get rid of something. But should be, we should be focused on getting filled up with something. See, we spend all of our time and energy trying to get rid of fear and we need to stop trying to get rid of fear and get filled up with the love of God. Do you hear me? We spend all of our time trying to eradicate fear, taking stuff to get rid of the symptoms of fear and God says the vaccine is coming to a revelation of the love of God. So instead of trying to get rid of something, try to spend your time, as much time at least, getting filled up with something. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. So I'm trying to get rid of fear, but really what I need to do, which is very possible, is to get filled up with love. Because the more of the love of God you have, the less of the fear of the devil you will have. See? When we get consumed with God's love, there will be no room left for fear. Now here's the wonderful thing. The love of God is in you. If you're a child of God, you don't have to go get some of it. It's already in you. Let me give it to you. Let me give you uh, some scripture for that. Turn over to Romans chapter 5. Romans cha- Here here's what I want you to see. Everything you need to overcome the spirit of fear is already deposited in you in Christ Jesus. You just you and I just need to wake up to it. And operate in it and walk in it. Because it's already, we don't have to go to some special meeting and get a deposit. Nothing wrong with special meetings. We don't have to read a special booking. It's nothing wrong. You've already got it. You've got deposited in your spirit when you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. Jesus came to dwell in you. And within Jesus came everything you need to overcome the spirit of fear in a fearful time. You and I just need to come to the revelation of it. Okay? Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Paul says this to Christians. Since we have been justified through faith. Here's a good phrase right here. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. you, You can stop right there and just rejoice. We have peace. with He's not mad at you. Some of you really messed up yesterday. Some of you messed up yesterday. You're sitting here this morning, and the devil's condemning you over something you said or something you did or someplace you went or something you should have done and didn't do. Some of you this week, it's not been the best week. You didn't act like Jesus. You didn't act like Christ. And you're sitting here, and the devil's just beating you up. How can you worship? How can you lift your hands and worship? You remember how you acted this week at work? You remember what you said to your cousin? You remember how you treated your husband? You remember how you didn't cook for him? You didn't clean his clean you just you just didn't treat him well some of you women need to get to the altar right now and re- and repent for your actions can I get an amen ron yeah hallelujah and some of you're sitting here condemned thinking you're second class because of your actions and the bible says we have peace with god Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So you can just stop right there. God's not mad at you. He loves you. He is love. He can never act toward you anything but love. Because it's the personification of his character. Through whom we have gained access by faith. We now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. This is not one of my favorite verses. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Now notice this next phrase. Because God's love... Has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hallelujah. Perfect love cast out fear. There's no fear in love. And this verse says that God's love that cast out fear has been poured in your heart. You and I just need to learn to activate it. We just have to activate it. And it's by faith. So how do I do it? See, see this stuff's got to work for me. If it don't work for me, it, it, you know, it's just another inspirational book. I've been to church my entire life, and I hear a lot about what God's going to do. And I heard a lot about what God did. I want to experience God now. Thank God for what He's going to do. And thank God for what He did. And we get all fired up. And we'll have preachers preaching and hollering and snotting and sweating over God's going to do this and God's going to do that. And that's wonderful and that's great. But I'm going to tell you, on Tuesday, I don't really want to know what he's going to do next week. I need him to come through for me on Tuesday. I need the word to work for me. So how can I get this love in me that's been put in me when I accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, this same love that gets rid of all kind of fear, how can I get it working? Well, the first thing you got to do is, if you want more of that love to manifest in your life, start praying for a revelation of it. Start asking God to help you to remember the love's in you. To remind you that the love of God's in you. Help that, help. Start asking Him to help you to, to expand in your love walk. Paul prayed that. Now, if Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, needed to expand his understanding of God's love, how much more do we need to understand our expanding of God's love? Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 14. I'm going to read it from the, the Living Bible. Paul says this. When I think of the wisdom and the scope of God's plan, I fall down on my knees and pray to the Father of all the great family of God, some of them already in heaven and some down here on earth, that out of His glorious unlimited resources, He will give you the mighty inner strengthening of His, his Holy Spirit. Verse 17. And I pray, notice this is Paul's prayer, that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts. Now, notice, he's he's talking to Christians. He's not talking to sinners saying, I want you to get Jesus in your heart. He's talking to Christians. He says, I want Jesus to become bigger in your hearts. And he's saying, I pray for that to happen. That Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, living within you as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soul of God's marvelous love. In other words, may may the foundation of everything you say, may the motivation of everything you do, let it start coming out of love instead of your flesh. Or your ambition. May your roots go down deep into the soul of God's marvelous love. And may you be able to feel and understand as all God's children should. How long, how wide, how deep, how love His love really is. And to experience this love for yourselves. Though it is so great you will never see the end of it or fully know or understand it. And so at last you will be filled with God Himself. He says "He says one thing to do, how to get this working is start praying for it to work. Start praying for more of the love of God to be a revelation to you. Every single day of my life, I pray this prayer. Ephesians chapter 3. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant me according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in my inner man, that Christ may dwell in my heart by faith, and that I'll be rooted and grounded in love and may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Every day of my life, I pray that prayer. Why? Because I've dealt with fear. And the thing is not medication. Nothing wrong with it. The real test over time to get you totally free is not medication. It's to get filled up with the love of God. Because the love of God casts out fear. How do you get it to work? Well, it's like this love is like a muscle. It must be exercised to develop fully. See, a lot of us, what we're doing, we're waiting to feel some love because we have this idea that love is connected to a feeling. Love is not connected to a feeling. Love is connected to a choice. Well, I don't feel love. It doesn't have anything to do with feeling love. Jesus didn't feel love on the cross. For God so loved the world. God didn't feel love when he gave turned his only begotten son over to people to torture him and crucify him. There's no feeling there. It's a choice. <clears throat> I choose to put your welfare above my welfare. That's love. That's right. That's right. For God so loved the world. Love like a muscle must be exercised to develop fully. Let me give you a couple of scriptures and then I'll get to my last point. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2. Notice what Ephesians 5 2. Paul's talking to the Ephesians. Who are Christians? Who have the love of God in them. Because Jesus lives in them. And listen to what he says. Walk in the way of love. Walk in. You've got to exercise it. You've got to walk in love. A man of God who, uh, who Amanda and I, uh, who we consider one of our spiritual fathers, made this statement many years ago. I heard him say this. Every step out of love is a step in sin. Every step out of love is a step in sin. You don't feel it, but you're gonna walk in it. You got to exercise it. I was talking to a minister one time who uh, who had a great healing ministry. Who had a great healing ministry. And uh, I've always studied healing. I always studied divine healing. I always wanted to ask the Lord to be used in the area of divine healing. So I'd I'd get around anybody who's anybody who operates with the gift of healing. I want to get around them. I just want you know some things are taught and some things are caught. So if I can if if I can catch it, I want to catch it. All right. And uh, so I ask him uh, because he made the statement. He said I've not I had a headache in forty five years. And I'm thinking, my God, I had a headache two days ago. (laughs) How do do you? And I and I ask him, How do you walk in such health? So I ask him. I said, How can you? I know you don't have a whole lot of time to talk but can you tell me, you, you don't get sick. He said, no, I don't take any medicine. He was, at that time, 70 years old. He said, I don't take any medicine. I don't take any medicine. I haven't been the doctor. And so he said, I'm not against doctors. I love doctors. I have doctors on my board. But he says, if you don't need a doctor, you know he's going to doctor. That's doctor. Right. So I said, uh, I said, well, tell me, how do, you, how do you stay so healthy? He says, I walk in love. He says, every step out of love is a step in sin. When you get over in sin, that opens the door to sickness and disease. He says, so if you stay in love, sickness and disease has no entrance into your life. You say, I don't believe that. Okay, I'll see you next week when you call me to pray for you because you've got a headache. (laughs) Do I always do it? No. Am I successful at it all the time? No. But I tell you, every day I'm working to walk in love. When people talk about me online, when they criticize me and my family online, you know what my flesh wants to do? It wants to lash back online. It wants, let me tell you some things about you. People are really stupid when they get online and talk about me because I know a lot of things about those people. And I walk in love so I don't say a word. But my flesh wants to. But see, it's not that I'm such a nice guy. I want to stay in health. I want to stay in health. So you say, well, how do you expand your love? Your love walk's got to be tested. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, next time time somebody talks about you, you just stay quiet. I ain't going to let them talk about me. Well, you'll get out of love. The next time somebody... Bless you, you bless somebody with somebody, something, and they don't send you a thank you note. You let it go. Don't be calling their cousin and say, Well, I'm not even gonna send them nothing no more. They didn't send me a thank you note. How many times have we done? You walk in love. My greatest challenge, i exercise my love. I have to exercise my love walk every day. You drive in Murfreesboro, it's a great proving ground for exercising your love walk. You watch Tennessee football, it's a great proving ground for exercising your love walk. Love is like a muscle. It has to be expanded. And the only way that muscle can be expanded is when it is forced... To In resistance. When, when something comes at you and you are given the opportunity, I can either lash back, respond in flesh, or I can respond in love. And each time you respond in love, your love muscle that's on the inside of you is getting bigger. What did Paul say? Walk. In the way of love. Notice he didn't say feel love. He didn't say sense love. He said walk in the way of love. And then Colossians 3.14. Look what it says. Above all, clothe yourself with love. Clothe yourself with love. You're not gonna, some days you're not going to feel it. Some days you're not going to feel it. But you've got to put it on by faith. Thank you, Lord. For God's not given us a spirit of fear, but He's given us a fear vaccine, power, love, and finally, a sound mind. In moments of stress, pressure, and fear, our emotions often become so rattled that it's difficult thinking straight. Uh, in moments of fear, have you ever been able to? Have you ever been tempted to think that you were losing your mind? Is anybody in here beside me? In moments of fear, ever been tempted to think you're losing? Oh, man, I'm, I must be losing my mind. This thing is wearing me out. If you've experienced those moments, let me assure you, you're not losing your mind. God's word declares, and it should be your my daily de- declaration. Especially during this time, that God has given you a sound mind, fear hits you, your thoughts start racing, and I'm losing my mind. I'm going crazy no your your declaration, your confession should be God has given me a sound mind. Let me share a biblical example with you second Timothy one seven for God's not given us a spirit of fear but power. Love and sound mind. When Paul wrote this letter to Timothy about the spirit of fear, Nero was the emperor. Nero was insane. Nero Nero's persecution and torture of Christians, volumes have been written about it. He so hated Christians that if he caught Christians, he would invite people over to his palace for a party. And they would take these captured Christians and they would tie them up in animal skins and put them in the arena and people would sit around in uh, above the arena eating at tables and drinking and getting drunk and they would turn lions loose upon the Christians and they would eat them, the Christians. That was his entertainment for his friends not only did he do that he was the one that used that that learned the art that that really made the art of crucifixion more prevalent than it ever was he would find christians and he would put them on poles along the streets and he would crucify them and then as they were slowly dying, he would pour wax on them and then set them on fire. And he would invite people to take their evening walks on those streets and the Christians being on fire lit the streets as street lamps. This is the kind of man he was. And Timothy is the pastor of the largest church. And Timothy understands that if Nero's secret service can catch me, they would delight in destroying me and torturing me and making me a spectacle. So the spirit of fear came upon Timothy. And the apostle Paul writes him and he says to him, God has not given you a spirit of fear but power, love, and a sound mind. Now that phrase, those two words, and I'll close with this, a sound mind. Now you didn't come here this morning for a Greek lesson, but I will just tell you this. The first, it's a compound Greek word. Sound mind is a compound Greek word, that phrase. The first part of the word comes from the word that means to be saved or delivered. It suggests something that is delivered or rescued or, or revived or salvaged or protected. Something that is now safe and secure. It depicts a person who was on the verge of death but has been revived and resuscitated. The second part of the word carries the idea of a person's intelligence or total frame of thinking, including their logic, their rationale, and their emotions. And when you put the two words together, they form a word that pictures a mind, a mind that has been delivered, that has been rescued, a mind that has been revived and protected and is now safe and secure. Do you hear me? The Bible says God has given you a sound mind. God has given you, when you accept in Him as Lord and Savior, a mind that has been revived. A mind that has been protected. A mind that is now safe and secure. And the things that used to harass your mind and torment your mind and cause confusion in your mind, they no longer have a right to be in your mind. Because now you have a sound mind. As a child of God, we have been given the ability to have a mind and emotions that are shielded from the illogical, ridiculous, and crazy thoughts that try to grip into our minds that did it in the past. See, you've already got everything you need to overcome fear deposited in you. You just need to activate it. You just need to activate it. Now here's the key. Like the power of God and the love of God is only activated by faith and your obedience. Likewise, a sound mind is activated by faith and obedience to the word of God. You can't just sit there honestly when fear hits you, well you're gonna get it. You're gonna get it. You're gonna get it. Don't go out. Don't go out. Don't go out. Don't talk to nobody. Don't touch nobody. Don't you leave your house. Don't you get out. Don't you get. When fear hits you and your mind starts racing and it starts to paralyze you, you can't just sit there and dwell on that stuff. You can't sit there and dwell on that. Well, you're hurting. You're hurting in your stomach. You know what that means. The big C. The big C. The big C. The big C. The big C's coming, the big C's coming. Your granddaddy had it, your grandmother had it, your daddy had it, your mama had it, your sister's got it. Two cousins removed from you have it, your boss has it. It's jumped on you now, the big C, the big C, the big C. And before you know it, you've got yourself convinced you have cancer. When it nothing was, that pepperoni pizza didn't settle well with you. Why? Because we done worked it up up here in our mind. And you sit there and entertain that stuff and entertain that stuff and entertain that stuff in your mind. You're not going to have peace. And that's going to break out in nervousness and it's going to break out in fear. So you've got to remind yourself and declare and confess when those thoughts start coming. No, 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 no. 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 God's not giving me a spirit of fear but power, love, and sound mind. I used to give in to that Thinking, but I don't give into it no more because I've got a sound mind, a sound mind. I, I had been almost a year in my house, and I, I, I didn't know a lot about the word. I was a pastor. I'd been to school, but I didn't know a lot about the word. You know, you can know a lot of theology, but not know the word. Nothing wrong with that, but just I didn't know the word. I didn't know how to make it work. I knew the stories, but I didn't know how to make it work. And I'd been in my house, prisoner to my home, scared of everything. And uh, I found Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, 7, and 8. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, 7, and 8 says this. Don't worry about anything. Uh, One translation says, don't be nervous. One translation says, don't be anxious. Don't panic about anything. And I was living in panic and fear. Don't worry about anything. Instead... Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Verse 7. Then, when? Then, after you've prayed and thanked Him, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and what? Minds. As you live in Christ Jesus. I found that verse. And I went to town on it. How many know what it means to go to town? That means to really get with it. I found that verse. And I read this much of it. Don't be anxious about everything. But in prayer and supplication. So I just started praying. And you know what I discovered? As long as I was praying. Torment and fear left me. Have you ever had something bother you and you went and prayed about it and all of a sudden it feel like just like it lifts off of you? Anybody know what I'm talking about? We used to call that praying through. Okay. Praying through meaning I got through that trial and I'm going on to the next trials, really what it means. So I would pray and sure enough the word works. In every, Don't be anxious about anything, but in fact, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. And I started praying, and as long as I was praying, it worked. When I was praying, the peace of God just came and guarded my heart, my mind. I didn't have those tormenting thoughts. I didn't have those fears. As long as I was praying... But you know what I soon discovered? When I stopped praying, the peace left me. So I'd get back in my prayer closet and I'd pray some more. And guess what? The peace would come. But then after about an hour or so, I'd get hungry and have to go. I wasn't fasting and praying. I was just praying. There's a difference. You know. So I'd get hungry. I'd get out. And by the time I'd finished my sandwich, those tormenting thoughts come. You know what I'd do? I'd run back in my prayer closet and start praying again. It got to the point that the only time I had peace in my mind is when I was praying. But you know what? You can't pray all day long. I had other things to do. And finally, it was a Saturday morning. And I said to my mind had been tormenting me all morning. Racing thoughts, racing thoughts. Couldn't turn my mind off. Terrible tormenting thoughts. And I told Amanda about noon, I said, I'm going to keep Tyler. He was just a little bitty. I said, keep him. I'm going to go in the den and pray. She said, Eddie, you've prayed two hours already this morning. Can't you spend some time with your son this afternoon and me? I said, well, like my mind's tormented. I'm no good to you as long as my torments me, And i got to pray. Because I was under the impression that as long as you prayed, and I found it to work, as long as you prayed, the peace would come. But my problem was the peace, the guard of peace kept leaving me when I stopped praying. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you'll pray about something and you'll feel good, you'll get up from your prayer and you'll feel good, you feel like God's answered and the next day you're back on struggling with it again. What happened? The guard left you. The peace left you. So I started praying. It wasn't 2 minutes. I felt a little tap on my shoulder. I looked around. It was Tyler. He smiled. I hollered, "Man, to get him out of here, I got to pray." She comes gets Tyler. I finally go to the bathroom. We had a little spare bathroom. I went to the bathroom, locked the door, put the lid down on the toilet seat. I was at the throne. And I had my Bible to Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and I was kneeling at the toilet. And I had my Bible open, Philippians 4 6, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, this is not working. I said, as long as I'm praying, the guard of peace is with me. But when I stop praying, the guard leaves And I heard these words on the inside. Read the next verse. So I read the next verse. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The King James says, finally, brethren. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, think on these things. I said, well, that's a wonderful... I remember saying to the Lord, that's a wonderful verse. I know that verse. But the word's not working. I said, I'm doing what you say here to pray. And as long as I'm praying, I have peace. But when I quit praying, the peace leaves me. The guard is leaving. And I can't pray all day long, Lord Jesus. And I heard again the second time. Right here, these words floated up to my mind. Read the next verse. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And I said, Thank you. It's a wonderful verse, but it's not working. When I'm praying, I have peace. When I stop praying, my peace leaves. And I can't pray 24 hours a day. And I heard the third time, right here, floated up to my mind these words, read the next verse. And for the third time, when I started to read the next verse, in the King James, because we didn't have all those translations. This was right after the Civil War. And uh, so we didn't have all the translations we have today. It says in the King James, finally, brethren. And when I read that one word, that word finally, I'll kid you not, came up off that page and went 3D on me. And I heard the Spirit of God say, when you have finished praying you have one final thing to do. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are honorable, if there be any virtue, any excellence, if there be any praise, think on these things. When the spirit of fear comes on us, and we hear a bad report about a cousin that got to COVID, or a co-worker who got the COVID or writing in this city or some bad doctor's report because of a test that didn't go good when that spirit of fear comes to our mind and we pray and all of a sudden we sense a release when we pray once you finish praying you've got one final thing to do you've got to get your faults in line with the answer and the peace that you heard while you were praying. Amen. That's it. That's it. If you go back after you've prayed, it doesn't make any difference how long you've prayed, who's prayed for you, or how what you've prayed. It doesn't make any difference what you felt when you prayed. If after you get up and start your daily activities, if you go back to allowing your mind to think the same old stuff, it was thinking, the guard of peace is going to walk away from you. See, after you've prayed, you've got one final thing to do. You've got to think right. Thank Thank Lord Paul said it this way. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, King James. <laughs> I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your mind, your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See? You've got power, you've got the power of God resident in you. You've got to activate it. You've got the love of God activated in you, a present in you, you've got to activate it. And your mind that was so tormented and held prisoner by every fearful and hellish thought in your past, your mind has been revived, resuscitated, salvaged protected, and is now safe and secure, you just got to activate that sound mind and resist any toxicity that tries to get in, in Jesus' name. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but He's given us a God vaccine. It's power, it's love, and it's a sound mind. And you got it. Just take it. Activate your medication. Stand with me, would you? Lord Jesus, there are people in this room who are tormented. They've come this morning, they've put on a happy face. But they're tormented. They toss and turn at night. They... They're dreading tomorrow. Hopelessness is trying to invade them. I'm asking you now that the Word of God that has been taught will find a place of lodging in them. In Jesus' name. And that they'll rise above the spirit of fear. In the name of Jesus. Now, if you're here this morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you would like to ask Jesus, pray, and ask Jesus to come into your heart. You've never done that. You've been sensing that you need to get your life right with God. You've been thinking about it in your quiet time. You've been thinking about it driving back and forth in work. Thoughts have been coming. You know it's time you get your life right with God. And you've come this morning, and you're ready to do it. You're going to take that step of courage turn your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. If that's you and you're ready to do it, if you're courageous enough to do it right now, I want to pray with you. Would you raise up your hand? Raise up your hand real quickly. Raise up your hand. Anyone here? All right, everybody look this way. Um, Amanda and I and Pastor Bryce and Sarah, we're going to be praying for people down here at the front. If you're tormented in your mind, and are struggling in your thought life, we want to pray for you uh, before you leave today. So just uh, come down and the ushers here will line you up and we'll pray. If you're visiting with us today, we have a gift for you, our way of saying thanks for coming to Family Worship Center. If you'll take that card you heard about it during the video announcements and take it right back there to your back right, back right corner, and a beautiful lady back there will give you your a gift, our way of saying thanks for coming. Let me pray over you. Father, thank you that no evil shall befall us. No plague can come nigh these wonderful people. The angels of God encamp about them. In the midst of COVID, where COVID is still running rampant, Lord, a supernatural protection. I declare a supernatural protection over our people in Jesus' name. And I ask for a peace and a protection. No evil shall befall them. No plague can come nigh them. The angels of God encamp about them. No terror or terrorists can come close to them. They're led by the Spirit of God and blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. If you want prayer, come on up.